Father, we thank you so much for this privilege of gathering as your people. Father, we thank you that you love us in such a way that we can trust you, that you've been faithful through many generations. So God, we have just profound evidence to say, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord. We've seen what you've done through the scriptures and the lives of others. We've heard the faithful testimony of grandmothers and aunties and uncles. And we've seen even over these last 20 years the ways that you've blessed the Sanctuary Covenant Church. And God, we ask right now that you would do it again in our lives and in our time. Father, stand with us now. Give us a peace of mind that passes all understanding. Thank you, Jesus, that we are not alone in this world, but that you are with us and for us, that you have given us our brothers and sisters to walk through life's ups and downs with. So, Lord, as we now come to this time of preaching, we pray that you would allow this word to speak to the deep needs of our hearts right now. Shine your light on us, God. You are the light of the world, a world that seems so dark right now, a world where there's so much need. God, everything that we need is bound up in you. So have your way today, Father. Help us to continue to trust in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and say together, amen. Amen. Good morning, Sanctuary. Thank you all so much for being here today. My name is Edrin, uh, lead pastor here at the Sanctuary. Um, and if I haven't had a chance to uh, connect with you, shake your hand, I'll give you a big hug. I look forward to having the opportunity to do that soon. Can you uh, put your hands together and help me thank God for our worship team and our band for how they lead us in worship each week? We are so grateful for their partnership in ministry and today, as we are preparing to, to go into this message, I do want to take a moment today and call us to a moment of congregational prayer. Um, if you've been paying attention over the last week or so, there are a number of uh, really high-profile uh, incidents across the nation that remind us that we live in a very broken world. Uh, just a few, a week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, a mass shooting in Monterey Park, California, uh, targeting Asian Americans at a Lunar New Year celebration. And just hours later, days later, excuse me, uh, another shooting in Half Moon Bay, California, targeting the Asian American community again. And then on this Friday, uh, the release of the video of the death of Tyree Simon uh, in Memphis, uh, Tennessee, very prominent reminders to us that we live in a broken world, a world that has been so scarred by sin and evil that none of us are safe from the reaches of sin and this evil. And as people who believe in the power of prayer and the people who believe that God is at work, even in this broken world, making all things new, we are called to prayer. 
And so today, Sanctuary family, I want to invite us, even before we get into the word today, just to a moment of congregational prayer, asking God to be present, to be a God of comfort and peace, as we know he has been so many times before. And so I want to invite us today as a congregation, just right where you are there at your seats, as you feel comfortable, and even if you don't feel comfortable, I want to invite us to just pray together out loud there at our seats. And after a few moments, then I'll I'll come back and I'll pray for us congregationally. But I just want to invite us into a moment of prayer. We, We believe that God hears prayer, that God answers prayer, that God is with us when we pray. And so Sanctuary today, I want to invite us just into that moment of prayer. So even right there where you are, let's take a moment now and begin to pray. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you, God, that you allow us to speak, to call out and to cry out to your holy and righteous name. Father, we cry out today as a people, as a nation who needs you. God, we ask today that you would have your way, that you would continue a healing work in our land. Father, your word says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. 
I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Lord, we're calling out to you right now because there is no other name that we know to call out to. Father, if if the government could do it, it would be done. If we could do it on our own, it would be done. But Father, you and you alone are our hope and our source. And so we lift up our heads to you, Father, towards the hill where our help comes from, knowing that our help comes from the Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would have your way in this broken land, that you would heal hearts. God, that you would help us to see one another the way that you see us, that we would value life far more than we do right now. Father, help us to stand even when it's hard to understand. Help us to see your hand at work. And even when we can't see your hand, God, help us to trust your heart. Father, we believe that evil will not prevail, that you will get the victory. In fact, you've already won the victory. God, we ask right now, until you come again, that you would help us to stand firm, to be people of hope, people of trust, people who represent the coming kingdom. God, we pray for the families who are grieving right now. The loss is all across this land. And Lord, we are mindful of even the great losses right here in the Twin Cities. God, help us to be a church that represents your goodness in the world. In all the places you've called us to, in all the places you've blessed us to be present, help us to be your ambassadors there. Father, we love you. We're grateful to know that you love us too you hear our prayers, that you attend to the needs of your people. So be with us now in Jesus' name. All your people pray together and say amen. 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 Family, we are in our final week of a series here in the month of January that we're calling Pick Up the Phone. For the last several years, January has been a month of prayer for us here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. It's a way of us centering ourselves as we begin the year together. And so before we jump into the regular rhythms of the year and jump right back in onto that hamster wheel, chasing after all the things this world promises us, we we discipline ourselves during this month of January to first begin with prayer. And so we've been through this month talking about various aspects of what it means to pick up the phone and talk to God in prayer. And we're mindful of the fact that we're not simply talking to God. God is also speaking back to us. Amen. And so today in this final message, we want to talk about a dilemma that many of us uh, perhaps were not properly trained in or have not properly paid much attention to. 
we had the blessing yesterday of uh, sitting together in our church annual meeting, and I want to thank all of you who were a part of that annual meeting. It was a, an enriching time of, of leaning into the ways in which we saw God at work in the life of our church this past year, and also voting to affirm uh, elders who will help lead us into the future and a budget that will help us to be the church that God has called us to be. But as a part of this annual meeting, which looked a lot different than former annual meetings, we had a period where various ministry leaders from our staff team were able to share stories of how they saw God show up in various areas of ministry this past year. And there was a section of our, uh, our annual meeting where Holly, our youth director, shared a story of spending time with one of her ministry leaders and a Mosaic student. And that student began to pepper Holly and this volunteer leader with a series of questions. The questions related to, came to sound like, does it get easier after high school? And, and how do you keep faith in God with all the evil that people do in God's name? And as Holly shared those questions and talked about the ways in which it was a privilege to be able to be present with that student and to, to feel those questions, it, it was as if my heart began to grow. It, it was a, a meaningful moment for me because before I, I began doing adult ministry, I spent about uh, 10 years or so doing youth and children's ministry. And, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that the questions of teenagers are a window into the hearts of our young people. And so for a student to trust you enough to ask you those kinds of questions is a sign that your ministry is establishing trust. And I, I remembered, as Holly told her story last night, I reflected, and I went back and even changed the introduction to my, to my sermon. I remember over the years having students come and sit in youth group, and they would ask various questions. And one of the questions that I remember always getting as students grew intellectually and spiritually was a simple question like this, does God answer prayer? Does God answer prayer? You see, in churches, we talk a lot about prayer. We talk about the importance of prayer. We even spend time telling people how to pray. But many people still have the question, does God actually answer prayer? If a student were today to ask me, does God answer prayer, perhaps it's a question that you, even sitting here this morning, are sitting with, does God answer prayer, I would be inclined first to take you to God's word and provide a couple examples of places where God definitely answers prayer. I would take you to 2 Kings chapter 20, and I would tell you the story of King Hezekiah, who, who found himself in bed sick unto death. And God sent a prophet called Isaiah to inform Hezekiah that his death was coming. And when King Hezekiah got the message that he was going to die, Hezekiah immediately turned his face to the wall and he prayed and he reminded God, God, I've walked with you since I was a youth. And the Bible declares that the prophet Isaiah could not leave the temple before God answers Hezekiah's prayer 
and sends Isaiah back to tell Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer, and today you will not die. In fact, I will give you 15 more years. I would say, yes, God answers prayer. And then, then I would take you or that student to 2 Samuel chapter 1 and tell you the story of a woman called Hannah. Hannah was the wife of a man called Elkanah, and she was, she was the tar- a target of taunting by his other wives because she could not have children. And Hannah would often be found weeping and going back and forth to the temple, praying to God that God would take away this pain and would give her a son. The Bible declares that after many years of praying to God about this concern, God answers Hannah's prayers, and she gave Hannah a son by the name of Samuel. And Samuel goes on to become one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel's history. The answer to the question of does God answer prayer is yes. Perhaps I would take you or take this student to Acts chapter 12 and I would tell you the story of Peter who found himself in prison, who prayed and God answered the prayer and got him out of prison. Or perhaps I would take you to Acts chapter 16 to the story of Paul and Silas who who, who turned a prison cell into a prayer and worship service. And God sent an angel and released them out of prison. And it's a story that the Bible tells, tells us that God indeed, yes, answers prayer. And so if you're here today, Sanctuary, and you're wondering, does God actually answer prayer? The answer is yes. But the answer is yes and. God answers prayer And even though there are clear examples from the scriptures of God answering our prayers, there are also some examples that teach us that there's something about God's activity in the world that differentiates God from a genie in a bottle. You see, sometimes God answers our prayers, and he does so in a manner that is different than what you and I had envisioned or hoped for. Sometimes God answers our prayers, and the outcome isn't quite what we wanted. Sometimes, sanctuary, God answers our prayers, but the outcome doesn't look good, and it doesn't feel pleasing. What do we do, church, when God answers our prayers, and the answer was not what we were looking forward to? What what happens when God answers our prayer? And the answer seems to be no. In our text today, we look at an example of a posture that I want to encourage us to have when we pray. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we're going to look at one verse today. Verse number 42, the story of Jesus in the garden. Luke 22 and 42 says this. Father, these are the words of Jesus, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus comes to earth 
to model for us what it is to love, to, to love God and to follow after his will. And after three years of ministry, Jesus finds himself on this fateful night. He, he's been, a, his, his disciple Judas has already agreed to betray him. He, he's already shared a meal together with them there at the Last Supper. And Jesus there at the Last Supper tells his disciples that this meal is special because it will be the last time that he will eat or drink until the kingdom of God comes. He tells them that everything that had been prophesied about the suffering servant was about to come to pass. And leaving that supper, Jesus makes his way to the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he walks ahead of them a little bit. And Jesus falls to the ground and he begins to pray. And he says, what we find here in verse 42, he says, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus asked the Father in prayer, if it's possible, this cup, this approaching death, this this suffering, would you take it away from me? You see, he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane means olive press. It it speaks to to the weight of suffering and the the pain that Jesus was about to endure. Jesus was to be crushed in the the press of grief and sadness, and he he was sorrowful as he anticipated the pain of the crucifixion that was about to come. But he was even more sorrowful over the fact that he would be separated in a way he had never been before from the Father. And Jesus comes and provides a model for us, and he's asked the Father, if it is possible, make this happen some other way. Jesus models for us, Sanctuary Church, how to be honest in prayer. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that when we pray, it is absolutely essential for us to be honest, to tell God how we're really feeling, to tell God what's really on our hearts. And Jesus models this for us in this moment. He models for us, Father, I know your will. Father, I I even understand why what's about to happen has to happen. But Father, if it's any way possible, For this to get done a different way, will you let this cup pass? Jesus models for us how to be honest about our needs, about our fears, about our challenges, about our doubts, and about our concerns. Jesus becomes a model for us today to be honest Christians when he says, Father, if you're willing... If it's possible, take this cup from me. But in the same breath, Jesus says, but if not, Father, your will be done. And in that moment, Jesus, again, models for us how to be submitted to the will of the Father above and beyond our own will. Jesus helps us to see today's sanctuary 
that a prayerful heart is a yielded heart. If we want to be a church of prayer, if you want to be a person of prayer, if you want to have a life of prayer, a prayerful heart is a yielded heart. A heart that is honest with God, yes, but a heart that ultimately says, Lord, your way is better than mine. A prayerful heart is a yielded heart, and praying hands sanctuary are open hands. That when we pray, we take on a posture with our hands. I, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to it, but, but we, we take on a posture with our hands when we pray. Many of us have been taught to pray with a pointed finger. We, we go into prayer like this. Lord, you better do it. Lord, you got to work it out. Lord, you said, now don't let me down, Lord. Many of us have learned to pray with a pointed finger. Others of us are more comfortable praying with full hands. That's a conservative prayer. We say, the Lord has blessed me with a lot of stuff in this life. And so our prayer looks like, Lord, don't let anybody take my stuff. Lord, let me hold on to what I got. And if you got a little bit more, give me a little bit more, Lord. I'll, I'll make room for it. It's a safe, conservative prayer. It's a prayer of, Lord, I'm doing all right. And if you just bless me to live a little while and pass this on to my kids and let them do all right. That's praying with full hands. But there's something wrong with praying with a pointed finger. And there's something wrong with praying with full hands. It doesn't make any room for God to be God. In those prayers, we're in the place of God. Our preference is the right way. Our needs are the priority. And so sometimes, to move us from praying with pointed fingers or with full hands, God has to put us in some crushing situations. One by one, a poem says, God took them from me. All the things I valued most. Till I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highways, grieving in my rags and poverty, until I heard his voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. And I turned my hands towards heaven, and he filled them with the store of his own transcendent riches, till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my feeble mind and dull that God could not pour out riches into hands that were already full. Praying with pointed fingers and praying with full hands, God often moves us to a, a place of crushing so that we can begin to pray with open hands. And I want to call a sanctuary to be a people who pray with open hands. And here's what it means to pray with open hands. Praying with open hands says, here I am, Lord. Here's what I desire, yet not my will, but your will be done. Praying with open hands says, I, I can trust God enough to let go of my predetermined path. 
Many of us go into prayer, and we've already got that thing worked out. We just need God to bless it. We just need God to move one or two people out of our way, give us a little bit more money, give us a little bit more patience. But God, this is the way it's going to work out, and I just need you to blow your breath of blessing on us. That's what most of us think of prayer. But when we pray with open hands, what we are actually saying is, Lord, I do have a predetermined path, but not my will, your will be done. When we pray with open hands, we say that God might actually have a different way. Can you imagine that the God of all creation might have a different thought than you and I have? Can you imagine that the God who sits high and looks low, the God who, who, who is not bound by time, who, who knows the end even from the beginning, that that God might know something more about what you need than you do? When we pray with open hands, we acknowledge the fact that God just might have another way to bless us. When we pray with open hands, we acknowledge the fact that, Lord, I wanted things to go one way, but I'm trusting that I can believe in your promises. That your promises, Lord, are more important than my preferences. That your way is more important than mine. That God, being in your presence, is even more important than getting my way in this moment. And I want to acknowledge today, as we wrap up this this message, I want to acknowledge that I'm not speaking as an expert in praying with open hands. That I'm learning how to do this even as I'm encouraging you to do it as well. Many of you know, a little over a year ago, perhaps a year and a half ago, that we as a church came to you with a vision for acquiring the property next door. I don't know why I'm getting emotional, because I, I didn't think I would over this story. We cast a vision for acquiring the liquor store next door. It was a place where in the five years that we've been here, we've seen so much hurt and so much pain and so much loss. We began to pray that the Lord would allow us to acquire that space, to not only move it out of the neighborhood, but so that we might reuse and redevelop that space for some other kinds of good in the community, something that adds to the community as opposed to taking from the community. And we began to pray together and some incredible doors opened and the finances for that to happen became available. Some people that you would never expect to partner with the church and bless a church, they they almost volunteered to help us make this thing happen. And it seemed without a doubt that it was going to happen. But then things began to slow down a little bit. And things slowed down to a trickle. And now we're at a place where the conversations aren't happening anymore. And while we haven't given up on the possibility of it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the way and in the time that we first thought it would. 
And as I prepared for, that mess, for this message, I could not shake this feeling that this was a word for all of us in real time. That perhaps the thing that seems so certain won't happen in the way we thought we were certain it would. And perhaps God was inviting me and inviting our church to a posture of praying with open hands. Saying, Lord, if you're willing, do it. We still want it to happen. We still need it to happen. But Lord, if not now, and if not in the way we thought, Lord, your will be done. Here's what I've seen in that parking lot, even before this winter. Drug deals aren't happening in that lot the way they were when we began talking about it. People aren't simply loitering in that lot in the way that they were before. People aren't being shot in that lot in the way they were before. Our staff team is not concerned walking back and forth between the buildings in the way that they were before. People aren't ODing and being found on the corner of the building overdose in the way that they were before. People aren't walking up on needles in the way that they were before. Things are different and better in that lot, and it, had not, it, it didn't happen in the way I expected it to. God is inviting us as a church. God is inviting me as your pastor. God is inviting you and your family to a posture of praying with open hands. Listen, if God does it some other way, I'm going to shout like nobody's business. I don't care how it happens anymore. All I care about is that God transforms this corner, that lives are changed, and that God gets all the glory out of it. So what does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your family? What does that look like on your job? What does that look like in your relationships? What are the things that you brought to God and you had a, a, a foolproof plan all worked out and you laid it on the altar of prayer and said, Lord, just give it your stamp of blessing? That perhaps today God is saying, I have another way. I want to do it another way. There's something you don't see right now that I need to work it out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for our church that you would make us a people who pray with open hands. God, I pray for the brother or sister who's been waiting on something and looking for a particular end or a particular resolution, I pray that you would open their eyes right now to see that perhaps you're working it out and you're doing it in a different way. Give us a posture, God, of open hands when we pray. And 
not our will, but your will be done, Lord. Not just today, but every day. Not just on this corner, but on every corner of our city. May the kingdom of God be realized there. Father, we need you in our lives. Come and bless right now, Lord. Give us everything that we stand in need of in your timing and in your way. God, we promise that we will be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and praise that is due your name. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, and we say together, amen.